What's going on, guys? It's your boy, Adam Gusky. This is another episode of the Matt Awareness Podcast. Um, if this is your first time watching it, skip the next 15 seconds. Otherwise, before it starts, please make sure you've subscribed, left a rating and review for the podcast. It would be much appreciated. Anyways, let's get it rolling. Alright guys, I'm here with Jude Swisher. How are we doing today, Jude? Hey, I am doing fantastic. How are you, Adam? I'm pretty good myself. Um, so, for those that don't know, Jude is the co-founder of HMA Wrestling, um, which does a lot of different types of wrestling media, like a podcast, um, video podcast, articles, a lot of different stuff. And Jude is also a wrestler, going to be a just finishing up his sophomore year in Pennsylvania, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just came off a nice fourth place finish at state. So, yeah. Um, Jude, if you want to just start, how did you get into wrestling originally? All right. So it's kind of a funny story. So my dad wrestled in college. I mean, wrestled for Messiah University, which I believe was D3 at the time. And, um, and I, uh, and he, so he, he was never very good. Um, (laughs) but he, he knew like, that wrestling instills these special, you know, values into a person, right? It, it, it makes, it can help in your character development. And so he knew that he wanted his sons to wrestle. Um, so when I was probably six years old, I went to, uh, my dad took me, like pretty much forced me. He's like, Jude, you're going to wrestling practice, even if I didn't want to. But he said, Jude, you're going to, to wrestling practice in, in downtown State College at the youth program. Um, and that first night, was they had a special guest coach and it was uh ken chertow um for those who don't know he ken chertow was an olympian um i believe in the 80s or 90s um but he had a huge camp system um that he still runs today uh very tough guy good wrestler um a couple time ncaa all-american um but the thing about ken is that he is really intense he's he's a short little guy but he is like loud and angry and um and i remember going into there and there's maybe like 60 or 70 kids crammed into this gym and um and so there's already a lot going on and my little six-year-old brain couldn't handle it and then when coach ken started like yelling at us and having us do like all this sorts of technique and stuff i just started bawling and so that's so i cried the whole first practice not only that whole first practice but the whole next one the one after that i would cry in the car during practice on the way home while I'm thinking about it, like anytime wrestling came up, I would just be so scared and nervous. And, um, and it was just, it was just a rough experience for me, um, even from the beginning. And so as a result, like the first, maybe, I don't know, six or seven years of the, of my time competing in wrestling was just, I hated it. I like, it's kind of funny now that I, I, I do my podcast on wrestling and how much I love wrestling, but like, it's funny that I started out not liking it even a little bit. Um, and yeah, no, I, it's, I just didn't like it because of, um, like my, my dad would have not in like a, a negative or an abusive way or anything like that, but he had a high standard for me. Right. And he, he expected me to put in my best effort into it. Um, and, you know, as a kid where I've never done anything hard in my life, right, all I want to do is go play video games and, and, and relax and whatever. Uh, yeah. Having someone set that standard for me was really, it's just challenging. 
So, um, you know, it, it definitely took me a long time to, to come with, to come to, um, the terms with, you know, my relationship with my dad on top of how I, um, can, can, you know, wrestle on the mat and, and how I can and deal with it. So I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. Right. <laughs> Was it just like the intensity of the guy that Made you cry at those first yeah, it, it was that. I mean, it was also like, no, I would say that. I, I would say <laughs> it, it kind of scared me at first. Um, also, I'd never played a sport before. And because oh. um, I was only in kindergarten, I'm pretty sure. Um, so it was my first experience being around a lot of noisy kids and um, and like, you know, I wasn't very strong or anything. Like I wasn't good at wrestling. I have no natural ability. And so I think I got beat up that whole first year. Um, it was, it was just a not fun experience um, for me. I, um, but no, I, th I think the initial reaction of just being scared of this, this man yelling and um, it just kind of sh shocked me. So I don't know. What was it? Okay, so I started wrestling in eighth grade, so mm -hmm. I can't really relate to a lot of the, like, youth stories that a lot of people have, mm -hmm. but, um, like, what do you think you got out of wrestling from, like, kindergarten to seventh grade? Hmm. So, so looking back upon that time, I, what I really took from it was, it, it was more than anything a, uh, a character builder almost, but, um, but it, it really helped to develop my relationship with my dad and, and me and my dad are super duper close. Um, and we would go, especially when I was 10, I remember the season when I was, uh, 10 years old, we, every single weekend we'd go to a tournament. And so I'm spending a lot of time with my dad and, um, you know, I would take lumps for sure, but you know, I, I'd come across success um, and so that definitely the youth years was just, um, opening my eyes to, um, to wrestling and, and the value of hard work, um, and what, you know, I can learn from the sport. And so, yeah, no, that's, that's kind of how I look back upon those years. Um, like good, good times to be sure. Like there, it was definitely a lot of fun, but mostly I was, I was nervous about my matches and I was, um, I was scared of losing you know, just, just normal kid stuff. I think I, I, I definitely cried anytime I lost in practice in practice, even. Practice. Um, yeah, I would cry during practice just, um, cause it's embarrassing to lose. Right. You know, you, you're out there and it's not only that you're, you're, you're losing, but it's also like, I, I, my dad had this standard and I was like, maybe I'm not living up to it. Maybe I'm not good enough. I don't want to do this. Um, so it, it was a lot of that kind of, stuff going through my head but you know that, that's kind of my my youth wrestling experience for the most part so then going off of that like when did your mentality towards the sport change so um it goes back to uh the summer before my eighth grade year um ken Chertow, who i trained at his i ironically i actually um went to his like home training center where he would he had these mats in his basement and kids would come all over center county pennsylvania um to wrestle and it, so it, it was one of the main clubs in the area. Um, and he moved to uh, somewhere down south. Um, I want to say either West Virginia or Florida. Um, and so when he was gone, there was just a need for a club, right? There was nowhere to really train 
um, aside from, you know, a couple, like you go to, to Bucknell, which was uh, about an hour and a half away from my house. And you could go to 4M, which was another 45 minutes. And that, that was just long. It's a, it's a long day to sit in a car the whole time. Um, so David Taylor, uh, you know, Penn State legend and, and all that. He started a, uh, he started a club uh, about 20 minutes from my house um, in Julian, Pennsylvania. And um, to kind of, you know, f- fill the space. And um, I remember I was not even going to go to it. I wasn't going to go to the club. Um, and I don't remember, I don't remember the reason. I think it was expensive. Um, and I went one time because the first practice was free and i remember coming back and telling my dad like this is this is where we need to go uh, if i want to get better and i didn't like it i didn't like giving up my sunday afternoons to go um and wrestle in a club with a you know (laughs) david taylor and he's gonna have a whole new standard for me but like the fun thing about that whole situation was it was full of kids that i i knew right it wasn't it wasn't something new so all the center county kids um from youth all the way up to high school, we're coming to DT's club. Um, and so that was a, that was a cool experience. And it was really that it, it was M2. Um, I'm wearing an M2 shirt right now, but the first, <laughs> the nice first, sweater. yeah, I know. I, I, it's, I think it's uh it's scrap life. They make good stuff. Oh yeah. Um, but no, it was the first three or so months of being in the club with DT and, and wrestling a lot of good wrestlers and, um, and performing pretty well um, really changed my mentality. And just being around um, the coaching staff there helped me look at wrestling, not at a, a negative way, but at a positive way and, and look for the opportunities that can be made through the sport. Um, and the biggest thing to me, one of, one of, you know, one of the few tournaments that I remember competitions that I remember from my youth career um, was it was the Lock Haven. Um, it was their, they have a, a folk style open tournament. Um, and I remember going into that tournament and not being, Oh no, I was nervous. You know, I was, I, was, I still had like that negative, like energy and whatever. Um, and I ended up losing in, uh, in the finals. And that was the first time I never, I didn't cry when I lose. What? that was the first time I didn't cry and I remember walking off the mat like being like okay I still got work to do and and that was a big thing for me because I'd always cried when I lost um so so definitely a different experience and I I owe it all to M2 and and they developed my memory um my mentality of you know it's a process I'm gonna make mistakes but let's let's keep moving and keep growing from it and and from there definitely eighth grade it just you know I just started to give myself fully to the sport and, um, and really recognize how incredible it is and how fun it is and, and all the good things that can come of, of working hard. Um, so I would say that is um, the, the point of the biggest transition for me. So you're 16 now, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. sir. And then you started going there in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Is that, did you see any like success before that or is that kind of, the game changer yeah so uh i took uh i placed twice at um at the pjw state tournament once when i was uh 10 and once when i was 12 um which is pretty good there's you know the the youth circuit especially in pennsylvania is there's a lot of crazy parents there's a lot of crazy kids 
Um, it's, 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 some of it's pretty absurd. Um, and I remember I went to a youth tournament, uh, this, this, uh, wrestling season to just coach my little brother a little bit. Um, and I was like, Whoa, it is, it's wild. It's wild stuff. So, um, to have a, I had a little success. I think I qualified for States like every year in youth, um, from, since I was nine. Um, and I was, I was pretty good. So no, nothing like youth state champ level, but like a consistent guy, I suppose. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so like, just as a regular wrestling fan, if I saw David Taylor on the street, like, I don't like to like annoy famous people cause I feel like enough <laughs> people do it already, but I would definitely ask for like a picture and an autograph. Right. Like, you could sign whatever clothing item I have on. <laughs> He's a pretty cool guy. So like, what is it like having him as your coach or like knowing him on more of a personal level? Oh, wow. So it's, it's a little surreal, but um, what it comes down to is just remembering like he's a human too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we're all humans. We all have our own unique personalities. We all get along or don't get along. And um, uh, Is he a human though? I know. I, I know. It's crazy, but he really is. Um, okay. He's, man, my, my relationship with Coach David is, is something really special. Um, you know, I've always, always, even from a little kid, because I, I would go to the Penn State Rec Hall matches um, and I've always just been a big DT fan. Um, I think I might have, I might have cried when he lost uh, uh, his junior year to Kyle Dake, or uh, yeah, when he lost to Kyle Dake. I'm, um, and he, so so just to have him as my coach was like, whoa, you know. And this was before he even really did anything huge on the senior level, right? Um, he made the the trials finals and stuff like that, but he never was the team USA representative. He didn't have a world medal or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, the David has been really incredible to me and my family over the past years. Um, really nice guy. One of the biggest things is, um, and it's hard to tell when you just see a guy talking on the TV of like what his true character's like, but it's, it's clear when he, when he interacts with the club and, and talks to us and teaches us that he really genuinely cares about us um and and gives a whole lot to us and and it something i noticed right off the bat was you know this is as important to him as his own training um so just to just to have him as a coach is uh it's surreal and i recognize how grateful i am and 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 how what a position i'm placed in um where i can have high level coaching at such a young age it's it's pretty incredible yeah and you can tell like he really values relationships and all that kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. he's training to become a world champ again. Um, he runs a training center for wrestling. He does yeah. all the scrap life stuff and like knows someone like you on the personal level. <laughs> like that's pretty cool. It is like, pretty you're cool. awesome. But I mean, there's <laughs> probably so many people that he knows on a personal level, which like, yeah, you gotta respect someone. Who's that no, busy. Everyone at the club, we, we love coach David a lot. It's, it's, you know, he said this on the first, um, the first day was, he's like, you guys, he's like, look around, you guys are going to not just be training partners, but you're going to be brothers, you know, and you're going to be my little brothers, right? Because the way M2 is viewed is we're, we're a family almost, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
the guys who were consistent, the guys who were always there, we're always in there grinding in the room together um, and making gains. And it just bonds you in a way that, um, that nothing else can. Um, and, you know, I remember when he said that, looking around at the kids, which I knew, um, but was never like friends or anything with them. Um, I remember looking around and being like, what, these guys? Am I really going to be friends with these guys? And uh, I mean, it's, it's more than that. It's more than, it's more than just friendship. So uh, us at M2 are, are a very tight group and we owe it to um, Coach David, but also Coach Mark McKnight and, and Coach Eric Thompson, both of which um, do so much to, to hold the, the club together um, and, you know, and, and make us bond. It's, it's a fun time. Um, something, another interesting thing about M2 as a club is we, we have a lot of fun off the mat as well. So we had um, one of the fundraisers we did was a, uh, a cornhole tournament. Like we, we got together, we rented a, uh, I believe a pavilion, got a bunch of food and then just had a cornhole tournament. It was awesome. Um, I actually own a, uh, an Instagram meme page um, that just for the M2 guys, it's called the M2 meme center. Okay. And, uh, and we just make little memes about M2 and they're in all inside jokes, but it's all, it's all fun stuff. And, uh, um, you know, it really helps us grow together off the mat as well. So. Yeah. Isn't it cool? Like how much wrestling bonds you with the people you're around just from like going through all the crap together. Right. It's, it's, it's a, it's a sport that develops relationships in a way that no other sport can. Like, you know, especially because you look at wrestling, especially like from an outsider's perspective, you're only seeing it on the TV. Like, you don't know these guys, you don't know their personalities, you don't know that how they relate to each other in the room or, or out of, off the mat or, you know, you don't know if a guy's a friends or, or foes or whatever. That's true. Um, but when you're a wrestler, um, you know, nothing bonds you like, like, just going through all the crap. Like you said, it's tough. It's hard practices. It's hard. Really hard practices. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah. Um, so yeah. And then you finished up your freshman year, you qualified and then this year you took fourth. So yeah, I mean, and future ahead to be continued. Um, and I'll say it right now on the podcast, my goal is to be a two time state champion in Pennsylvania next year and the year after that. Um, and I'm going to be completely honest. I thought I was going to be a state champ this year. I really did. Um, you know, state tournament, it didn't go, it didn't go as well as I had hoped. I mean, clearly I took fourth. Um, but like looking back, uh, I didn't wrestle necessarily bad. Um, the kids I lost to, I think, you know, were, were better wrestlers than me. Um, so I, I don't look at it as being like, Oh, I got screwed or oh, I wrestled bad or oh, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's like, well, no, that's where I deserve to be. Um, but it's time to work now and, and get to the top of the podium next year. So that's, uh, that's basically it. That's, that's my high school career. And it's funny that um, it's funny that, to talk about it. Cause not a ton has actually happened, um, but hopefully, hopefully sometime young. soon. Yes. I mean, let's see, I turned, awesome. I turned 16 in March. Um, so that was, that was my last birthday. Nice. Um, I'm just curious, like, what is the, how like hyped up is the Pennsylvania state tournament? It's gotta be pretty cool to watch. It's, it's, it's like nothing I've ever experienced. It's, it's also, it's also different at every level at every age group. So I, I qualify, I've qualified for the state tournament, uh, at every age level. Um, 
and the youth one is absurd. The youth tournament is like, it's so crazy. It's so insane. Cause it, it's all like the wrestling fans, but then combined with like the crazy parents, like want your kid to succeed thing. And then you combine it with like four or 500 kids running around. Oh my gosh. It's, it's like nothing else. Um, oh, yeah. I want to go back to that again someday. It's, it's a really fun time, but the, the PA high school state tournament is it's gotta just be the highlight of, of any wrestler's season. Um, you know, that you got college coaches, you got flow wrestling, you got PA power. Everyone's there to watch these, these young stars go up because the kids who make it big in PA wrestling, chances are they can make it big in college wrestling too, because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I wholeheartedly believe that Pennsylvania wrestling is the toughest in the whole country. Say what you want, New Jersey, say what you want, California. But if you, if you're winning Pennsylvania States, you have a really good case to be, you know, one of the top wrestlers in the entire state, you know, United States of America. And And because of that, it's, uh, it's just a, it's just a fun, exciting time. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of pride that comes with a state title and a state medal. And a, even a, even to be a qualifier, um, I know that in some towns in PA, like if you qualify for, for states, like they'll put you on a, on a fire truck and they'll drive you around the town. And like, because it's a big deal. You got to be a, a real good wrestler to, to even make states in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So fun times for sure. I was just going to say I'm from Wisconsin, so I'm biased, <laughs> but I'd probably agree Pennsylvania is the – at least one of the toughest states. Yeah. There's a lot of D1 guys that have a lot of success. That's for sure. Um, how far – yeah, okay, so my parents live in Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, how far is the state tournament from Philly if I wanted to check it out next year? So uh, I'm not entirely sure. Harrisburg to Philly, um, I, I'd say it's probably – it's under two hours. Pennsylvania is not yeah. a huge state. Um, uh, oh, not Harrisburg. It's Hershey. Um, and I, I mean, I'm living state college. And so everything is three hours from state college, um, just about, uh, so that, uh, that's kind of how I see it. It's probably not super big. Nice. Um, so we can, we can, um, get into, (laughs) Sorry, that was my little brother. Yes. All right, Jeremiah, you got to get out of here, my man. Bye-bye. All right, he's gone. No worries. Um, So then, so as I mentioned, Jude is also the co-founder of HMA Wrestling. Um, Mm -hmm. They run a pretty decent-sized podcast, different articles and videos and that kind of stuff. Um, He runs it with Sam Herring. He's the co-founder. But yeah, how did you guys, when and how did you guys like even meet? Wow. Okay. So as the story goes, um, I joined Twitter in September of 2019 just to, uh, just to ask questions for Flow Wrestling Radio Live. Um, Cause they do their like FRL questions, cues from Fs, whatever. What was your Twitter handle name? Oh, it was, it was, uh, it was at FRL questioner and my name, I, it was a, since it was a prank Twitter, it was Mike Uzen, um, spelled M I K E, uh, U H I Z N. Um, 
And because I would want them to be like, my cousin asks, and they'd be like, what, your cousin? And like, I was like thinking like, man, how funny would that be? Um, but then, uh, and as that, as that went on, I, you know, I kept, I just had fun with Twitter. Um, didn't have much of a following at all. Um, but I, I, I noticed there was this kid on Twitter who would tweet all the time during, during the day, like all the time, retweeting, um, quote tweeting, everything. And I was like, and I knew he was a kid because his Twitter handle was Samwise underscore 2006. And I was like, this guy's a, this guy's a kid. And, and I think he's homeschooled. So I was homeschooled still am. Um, but since, uh, since seventh grade, I've been homeschooled and I, I, uh, I just slid into his DMS like pure and simple. I just, I just crashed in there and I was like, yo man, my name's Jude Swisher. I'm a homeschooler. Or, are you homeschooled? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, dope. And then we just started talking. Um, and so dude, Sam oh, and I, I love it. dude, and, and Sam and I were just like two peas in a pod. We hit it off right away. We have a lot in common, everything from, you know, our wrestling to, to our faith, to our big families. We, you know, I come from a family of six. I'm the oldest of six kids. Sam is uh, the, the second youngest of seven, if I remember correctly. Um, he lives in Tennessee. I live in State College, so we are far away. Um, and I started talking to him um, before the whole Southern Scuffle thing went down. So um, for those who remember correctly, this Southern Scuffle and then last year's Southern Scuffle, uh, there was a kid on the mic. You know, he was commentating matches, and everyone's like, who the heck is this guy? And it turns out Sam Herring, the same kid that I've been talking to for a month now. And he's like, Jude, I'm going to the Southern Scuffle to meet the Flow guys, and they are going to let me commentate matches. Um, and so at the time I was like, Whoa, that's awesome. And I went and watched, listened to him. And I was like, he's fantastic. You know, Sam Herring has so much talent behind a microphone and, and in person, he just really knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's when he started to, to gain some notoriety in the wrestling community. And I, um, no, I was just, I, I kind of rode his coattails for a little bit. Like I, I would, uh, I was slowly built my own following. And then I, you know, we were talking about the NCAA tournament and like the upcoming, how I was going to go. Um, and I was like, Sam, you, uh, you want to have a podcast and we can just talk about this. He's like, okay. Um, and it was funny cause it was mostly a joke. I mostly was like, bro, what if we had a podcast? And he was like, ha ha. Um, and then two weeks later, he just sent me this link to this, uh, this thing called anchor, which, um, if you're not familiar with is super, super helpful for, um, starting and creating and distributing podcasts. Um, and so we just kind of jumped right into that and man, it, it, it really took off from there. That was, that was a wild time. I should cut that clip right there and just make it my anchor ad. <laughs> Dude. Uh, I, Maybe we should do some anchor ads on home at advantage. That might be something to consider. I think if you got a pretty big following, it probably pays off. Probably. Um, I don't. I don't know how much we. The funny thing about home at advantage is that we don't do it for the numbers. So we we have a sponsor. His name's Tony Rotundo, uh, WrestlersWarriors.com. He takes some excellent photos. Um, but he we don't get paid. Um, neither Sam nor I do. Uh, we decided pretty early on, like, that's not the direction we want to go with the podcast simply because money's hard to manage. And uh, if we're getting like a steady income, now we have to start paying taxes and start messing around with that kind of stuff. 
which, uh, which is definitely really difficult, especially for two kids. Um, but so Tony, while we call him our sponsor, he, um, he really assumes the role of a mentor, um, for the podcast, just such a, such a humble and, um, and, and, you know, selfless guy, right? Just a, he sent us an email about week four of the, of the podcast and was like, guys, you guys are doing some really good stuff. And, um, and I want to help you be even better. Like, um, it, just to be able to reach out to kids like that and say like, how can I help you uh, achieve your goals? It's just something else. Um, really, really selfless guy. Um, and because of that, we, you know, he's helped us in so many different ways. Um, but like we, we decided pretty early on that it's too hard to, to manage money, um, especially at our age and, and making money is not the, it's not one of, it's not what we want to have our motivation be. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about wrestling because we love it. You know, we love the sport. Um, and so that's, that's really our motivation. And so even that, like, we don't even look at the, the analytics or the numbers for the podcast just because um, we're not really worried about, about it or not. So I don't know. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think like not just like taking money out of the picture, even if it's subconscious, um, it's just like, it makes it a lot more fun because you're, you're doing it for the original reasons you started it, you know? Right. So. Right. It's awesome. And, um, and, be, and we, Sam and I are, I said, we're kindred spirits, right. But we, we, we're on the same page about a lot of things. And because of that, we're able to, you know, take the podcast in the direction we want while um, having the same ideas. We have the exact same vision. Um, And that's what we pride ourselves on because um, when we cut out variables like money or, or, or stuff like that, um, it just makes our lives so much easier and so much more manageable. Um, And, you know, because of that, we can, we can guide our, our podcast in the direction that we want. If that makes sense at all. Um, I have a bad habit of values. Yeah. Same values. I have a bad habit of like having a lot of thoughts in my head and and struggling to get them out of my mouth. Um, that's a good habit for podcasting. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. (laughs) Better than, better than an empty head. Yeah. Right. Um, what was, who was the first like person that you interviewed that was like kind of a star to you before you like hmm. a legend before you um, actually personally talk to him. Interesting question. So let's see. Uh, our first interview ever was uh, Dan Dennis. And he reached out. He knew Sam through, I believe, a camp or something like that. And Sam had gotten his number, and I don't remember how. Um, but Dan actually had heard about our podcast, and he reached out to us, and he was like, do you guys want – I got some news to drop. Would you like me to drop it on your podcast? And we were like, uh, uh yeah. <laughs> um, and so that was, that was cool because we were like, it's our first interview. It's exciting. Right. Um, you and I had talked about like dealing with nerves and stuff before, before an interview. And I remember yeah, you talk to these like guys that you see on flow all the time. And yeah. It's like, I'm talking to this person. It's pretty cool dude it's it's like nothing else and i remember um 
I was like, I was like, I got to do so much Dan Dennis research. And so I like maybe for three or four days straight, like what I watched his flow film multiple times. I read up on all the stuff that went down with him and Ramos. I watched his, all of his film, matches, excellent flow film. Um, and so going into that interview, I was like super prepared. Um, we made a list of questions and stuff, but even then, like the whole interview only lasted like 20 minutes, like not that long at all. Um, and so that was, that was just a really, really cool experience. Um, and looking back on it, and I think I listened to the episode like maybe a month ago. Um, it was terrible. It was, <laughs> it was just horrible. It was not interesting. Um, we were not able to like get a, a conversation going or anything like that. Sam and I were like stuttering on our questions and we didn't really know how to, how to reveal his personality. Cause that's, that's our biggest thing with, the interviews of home at advantage is we want to give these guys a platform for their personalities to be, to be known. Right. Because when you look on the TV and you're watching, you know, for example, Brock Zacherl, you watch him wrestle. You don't know what kind of person he's like off the mat, mm -hmm. you know? Exactly. Um, and so the coolest thing for home at advantage and for me personally is, talking to these guys, learning their mentalities, learning their personalities, looking at how they approach life and getting to know them um, and helping other people to listen to it and get an idea for, for who they are. And, uh, and hopefully just bring more awareness to the sport and to the guys competing, um, you know, competing now, competing then, guys on and off the mat. It's, it, it's pretty interesting, I, I think. Um, so I, I would say Dan Dennis was definitely the first interview. Uh, it, well, it was, it was definitely the first interview, but it was also the, the first interview that kind of opened my eyes to, um, to what makes a good interview. So. Um, after I did like my first one with like a wrestler that I thought was really cool. Mm -hmm. um, my thoughts after were like, wow, that was the scariest thing I've ever done. <laughs> like that must've been terrible. It wasn't great at all, but it was it was better than I thought it went in my head. That, then, that's usually how it goes, right? Yeah, and three, I was just like, oh, now I can like shower all this sweat off. I'm just <laughs> over. I got that one out of the way. Yeah, funny story. Um, during the Dan Dennis interview, I was like bouncing my knee the whole time, and like I'm like hitting the table a little bit, and it's like shaking the the mic and stuff. Um, but like so sweaty, so nervous. It's just scary. It's scary. It really um, the biggest suggestion I have um, to anybody starting a podcast or anything like that is just, just roll with it. Recognize that you are certainly going to make bad content, right? Oh, yeah. Like you're going to make stuff that is so like terrible. You can't listen to it. You sound like an idiot. You say the wrong things. Like so much stuff is going to happen that you can't control because we're all humans, right? At the end of the day, we all make mistakes and there's nothing that we can do about it. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm not perfect and I'll be the first person to admit it. Since I recognize that, since I, I, I take that in stride with who I am and who I want to be and recognizing that I'm going to make mistakes, it allows me not only on the podcasting side, but in life in general, um, to, to roll with the mistakes and make the best of them. And, you know, Sometimes I do terrible podcasts. Sometimes I make horrible takes. Um, <laughs> I, oh, this is, I, I've completely 
blew it on our last recording uh, a couple days back where I was like, I just asked this dumb question. I was like, are Jason Ness and Dylan Ness, like, are they related or anything like that? And they're like, well, are you joking? And I was like, no, are they related? And they're like, Jude, they're brothers. And I was like, oh my gosh. Oh, uh, that was the, that was, that was up there with the dumbest things I've ever said ever. Um, but like, Wait, who was on that call? So it was, um, it was me and Sam and Jacob and Brayton Lee of Minnesota. <laughs> and oh my gosh, I just, I sounded like such an idiot. Uh, it was, we've, it was terrible. Dude, we've all done it. And, and yeah. because of that, you know, you just, you just learn to deal with it. And so my biggest suggestion to anyone who wants to start a podcast or even start, you know, creating content of any form, just recognize it's going to suck at first. It might even suck when you're a hundred episodes into it. Right. Yeah. It's a process. You get better. Um, you, you grow and, and you have to make mistakes to grow. Um, but like looking back on our old podcast, just knowing like how terrible we were, how many like dumb mistakes we've made. Like I, there was a time I just deleted the whole episode on accident, like the whole thing. It's gone. You can't find it. Don't, don't try to look for it. Um, uh, I believe it's 17. Yeah. Home at advantage, our 17th ever episode. It's gone. You can't find it. Um, and so, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta roll with it. Right. And, and don't be afraid to make mistakes grow, like try not to make mistakes, but don't be afraid to make mistakes. Um, Another big thing is like, do what you can to make a good product, but don't overstress it. I, I would say is the big thing for me. I know that like, you know, I, at first I, I thought that we talked too slowly um, in our podcasts. And so what I did is I downloaded this, um, like this audio editing thing and I took the file, converted it to an MP3, put it in the thing, sped it up by like six or 7%. And so it's like barely imperceptible, but like, you know, cause I was just insecure of how t slow we were talking. Um, don't be concerned with that. Whoever needs to hear this, don't be concerned with making it as good of a product like that. You're putting so much time into it. Do your best, get it out there. Don't break your back over it. Um, and you know, try to make a better one next time. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, whatever you do, you know, you should always be trying to improve at least. So when you look back at like your old work, it's, just always going to be tough to look at or listen mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. No, it's um, some of that stuff's just, just awful. And the funny thing is, is like people are like, Oh, home at advantage. I'm going to go listen to the first episode so I can get all caught up. And like our first episode has like maybe a couple, maybe a thousand, maybe 2000 listens or whatever. And then like, it just kind of drops off after that because people are like, Oh, it's, it's not very good. And I'm like, wait, no, no, don't listen to that because that stuff's the worst. Right. It's, it's kind of funny how that happens. Um, some of our interviews that I think are the best actually have some of the least listens and um, whatever, right. It's always going to be on the internet. Once it's there, someone can find this in 15 years and they can listen to this and, and they, if they can take one little thing from it, then what I've done is a success. Cool. I don't know. Yeah, it is interesting. Like, I know you obviously watch FRL a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm also, I enjoy tuning in. Um, it's fun. But like, if you've ever listened to like their first couple episodes, it's just like, 
crazy how much it's changed. Right. Like, same for any podcast, really. Mm-hmm. 100%. But, yeah. Um, well, I guess we're kind of wrapping up here. But um, are there any specific episodes that someone should go check out that you think would be good to get started on the HMA life? So, so I've, I always tend to, to love our, uh, our interviews the most. I think that, um, you know, while Sam and I are kids and while we have our own perspectives, we still, you know, I, I, I'll admit, sometimes we're not interesting to listen to. Sometimes it's like, all right, these kids don't know what they're talking about. Um, so I, t- I like to l- go and re-listen to the interviews. But um, a good one is, I know for mine, um, I like the Brock Zacherl one I did. I like, I just posted one with Nazar Kolchiski, who, um, you know, he's from the Ukraine. He has this crazy story of how he even got to America. He wrestled D3 for Wisconsin Oshkosh. Um, and, you know, is now looking to make an Olympic run. Um, and nobody, nobody really knows who he is. And so it's a very interesting story to release. Um, By the way, um, I listened to most of that one. Uh, Nazar... And when I was in high school, he actually like came to my high school and like helped out at a practice. No way. And cause my high school coach that year, like used to be the head coach at Oshkosh. So mm-hmm. we worked with him, but like, he's like the nicest guy ever. So awesome. He's so nice. Super, cool. Super chill. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I mean like his Instagram by the way. Yeah. Oh, he does some insane, crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, and so this goes back to like, just the meeting people personalities and seeing how they how who they are um you know as a human being it's really really interesting um i would say one interview everyone has to listen to is sam herring's one with jordan burroughs which is so so well done sam like kills it he's he's one of the most he's a savant right he's one of the most talented people i've ever met especially at his age he he really just like puts me in awe um, daily of just this, this kid's intelligent. And, and he's, he's like 13 and like, man, just to hold his own and in, in debates and, and lead Olympians and world champions on these excellent interviews is it's really admirable. So I would, I would suggest, um, Nazar Kolchiski, Brock Zacherl and, and Jordan Burroughs definitely listen to also while I'm on this, on, on the plugging thing, um, we're doing this all decade, uh, best of the decade dual tournament type thing. So we're taking the top 16 teams of, of the past um, 10 years of NCAAs and, mm-hmm. and we're putting up against each other and they're all decade teams. So um, we take the best wrestler at each weight for the whole decade. For example, Penn state looks like Nico RBY, Nick Lee, uh, Jason Nolf, David Taylor, Ed Ruth, you know, all the way through. So, um, interesting stuff to be sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I haven't gotten around to watching that just cause the length of mm-hmm. it intimidated me, but I'm definitely it's looking forward to jumping into it. Yeah. I think that is, the, that's the biggest problem. Um, with, like even with podcasting in general. Did a lot of research for it and put a lot of work into it though. So I'm sure it's, no, be it's, awesome. it's been a really fun project to do, especially for me who I only came aware of like the collegiate wrestling probably in like 2014 at the latest so any of those guys 
before 2014, I have no clue. So it's good for me just personally to, to look back through the brackets, to watch old matches, to learn who these guys were. Um, so hopefully I can become a, a, a better wrestler and um, a more intelligent podcaster um, on the side. So, How cool would that be if there was like a history book of just like wrestling stuff? Dude, like an encyclopedia? Maybe yeah. we should. Oh. Awesome. I would buy it. Take <laughs> <laughs> oh man be special be special stuff or just like a documentary or like a podcast just like the history of wrestling that would be awesome ah, but the thing with the history of wrestling it's just there's so much there's Behind so much and even olympics start with the olympics and move all the way through uh that'd be a cool project i know that sam actually wants to get into like documentaries i think that i think little stuff like that like i think that'd be like pretty ones, interesting like ryan warner does or yes like, like this video i i think um start with audio i th- I, th- I think uh, start with audio but okay. i i have i that don't know sam's plan itself, so. you're telling me man just just like scheduling between practices and podcasts and getting my schoolwork done scheduling's a nightmare yeah. um because it just takes up a lot of my time but that's it's time well spent. I'm gonna be completely honest. It's there's nothing else I'd rather be doing than just, you know, talking to about wrestling with some awesome people. It's, it's fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, I do have to get back to studying for finals. This is my last mm-hmm. week of college ever, so I'm pretty pumped about. Congratulations, that. bud. Thank you. Man, <laughs> been a long journey, hasn't it? Yeah, but um, yeah. So I guess where can people find you on social media? All right. Well, me personally, you can follow me. Uh, at Jude Swisher on Twitter, at Jude.Swisher on Instagram. Um, and then Home at Advantage, we are on, you know, we have our website, www.hmawrestling.com. Um, you can go listen to our podcast, um, which is, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Podbean, like you name it, man. We're also on YouTube. Um, basically if you type in home at advantage into Google, you'll, you'll find us. Um, we're, we're all, I think we're HMA wrestling on, on Instagram and Twitter too. So, you know, we're everywhere and that's what we pride ourselves on, on doing. We want, we want to create accessible content that, uh, that people can, you know, consume. So awesome. No problem, my Go man. Check them out guys. Um, yeah. Let me know if you guys ever want to like do any podcast or anything together. Yeah. Um, other than that, I appreciate you hopping on the call, dude. It's been a dude, lot of fun. It's my pleasure. And I'm I'm super uh, super honored to be one of the first podcasts on the Defensive Pin podcast, which has a huge future in front of us. So um, you know, it's gonna be cool when you look back on this in whatever a year or more, you're gonna be like, Jude Swisher. Look, I had him on. So that's good stuff. Yeah. Um it's my pleasure, man. Awesome. Glad I can have you on. Take it easy, man. I will. You too. And that is it for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, As a reminder, please make sure you're subscribed and leave it a rating and review. See ya!